0: Hello and welcome to this week's Hong Kong Heritage. Later in the programme, I join artist Lorette Roberts to talk about her new book, About Boats, which, as the name suggests, is a celebration of the different types of boats and vessels that can be found here. But first, I head to Wattis Fine Art in Hollywood Road to join Jonathan Wattis and hear about his new exhibition, Panoramas of Hong Kong, circa 1843, to 1938, which is on show at What Is Fine Art until the first week of December.
1: A panorama is a wide-angled picture, so we know panoramas from photography these days because you have a panoramic feature on your telephone or on your camera and so you can just press that and there you get this very wide angle picture. So the origins of panorama is quite interesting but uh, essentially in terms of paintings uh, it happened in the 18th century where they did this wide view of uh, a landscape and uh, so so this is how we arrive with, with panoramas today.
0: So this one we've got in front of us is quite detailed, and it's a view of the island and Bay of Hong Kong, and this is the oldest one you've got.
1: This is the oldest one. This is an 1843 view of Hong Kong Island and the surrounding. So you're you're going through... Nearly 360 degrees of the island of Hong Kong and Lei Moon and Kowloon. So have got um, lots
0: of ships with masts.
1: Lots of ships <laughs> with masts. And uh, this is a very interesting one because it was done by a, a Royal Marine in, in Hong Kong, Lieutenant White who did a drawing for this uh, panorama, and he sent it to London and with, with his own scribbled notes of what was what so that we could identify places, and there's an index beneath each of these two panoramas, one above the other, showing us all the different places on Hong Kong Island. So he sent this to London to a man called Robert Burford, who was a bit of an entrepreneur and a painter, who had this thing called the Panorama, which was, both, was started in the Strand and then moved to Leicester Square, which was an enormous building. And he painted a very large oil painting of Hong Kong. And people would pay to go inside and see this great wonder of the world as an oil painting. The problem with this, he did about 31 different cities or places in the world and people would marvel. They were able to go and view these different exotic places from all over the world and particularly Hong Kong at the time was particularly interesting. And this is how this came about. So the thing is that all the oil paintings, when they were taken down, they were cut up and reused. So none of the oil paintings still exist. Um, There may be one in America that exists, but none of these from Robert Burford's time. So what they did was they made a little programme of it so this is Hong Kong in 1843 and it was published in 1844 and there are all sorts of notes in it and they go into quite a lot of detail describing Hong Kong as it was at the very earliest times so this is two years after they started building it's 1843 and you get all sorts of things so close to us we have we have the jail which is next to Mr Kane's house that is literally okay, Mr Kane of Kane Road Mr Cain of Cain Road yes in charge of the magistracy so and, and all sorts of things and you get Possession Point and I that, I like that Possession Point because there's Possession Park and Possession Point is at the end of Hollywood Road and I like to walk all the way down there most days and so if you looked here you could see you know number 15 is the jail and then I think it's number 25 is possession point point. and it looks like an awful long way on this yes. on this map but it's quite distorted the perspective but there's so much information in here even describing the different types of boats the different types of mandarin jo- junk and uh, big trading junks and sampans. and there's so many different things described in here as well as the new buildings
0: yeah, no, it's superbly done, and the, all these line drawings, and, of course, you've got the mountains at the back, and uh, these, all a whole variety of uh, different types of ships and boats, and interesting to see, you know, a few junks have got their sails up, but most of the major ships, of course, because they're in port, so they, they've got their sails down. Also, down below, you've got all these lists, so you've got all of the boats have got numbers on them, and then it sort of tells you what you're looking at below. But there's a few typos in there, isn't there?
1: Yes, there are. <laughs> there are a few typos, and I imagine the scribbling, of Lieutenant White, where you know, he had scrawled notes on it, in, in probably in pencil, above various places. And so the harbour master was called Mr Pinder. Well, as we know, the first harbour master was Mr Pedder, who had a street named after him. So... We don't know, Mr Pinder.
0: Yes, no, that's interesting. So they just had handwriting to go off, of course. Um, So sometimes they couldn't read the handwriting and that's then got distorted in history. But I quite like these mistakes in history that come along in the, you know, just simply by somebody not being able to read a person's handwriting across the world.
1: Well, absolutely. And and you and I were discussing earlier about Tai O in in Lantau and Lantau sometimes was was mapped as Lantau or Tai O on early maps. On this particular view, perspective view, we have number 29, Island of Lanto or Taino. Ah, another Tino.
0: typo. Yes, not Taipei. So that is the uh, view of the island and bay of Hong Kong. And this, it says Royal Panorama Leicester Square. This would have been printed where? where what would it have been used for?
1: It was printed as a little leaflet. I can actually show you the leaflets because I've discovered it. It's basically like a program for uh, for you to take away and it's the only thing that survives of this era and of these uh, panoramas so each each one and i've i've had one of canton and i've seen one of macau as well so all three places were done at some time in the 1830s or 1840s so this one was showing hong kong in 1843 and it says, painted by the proprietor Robert Burford, the figures by H. C. Sellus, who was a famous oil painter in England, from drawings taken by Lieutenant F. J. White, Royal Marines, in 1843. And then it was printed by Alfred Dodd, Rupert Street, Haymarket, in 1844 in London. There's an extensive description of Hong Kong which is fascinating because it's so early and also a description of all, all the different uh, places that appear in it so it's a very useful thing yes yes and know. that's
0: only two years really after British colonialisation of, of Hong Kong yes. um, and now who would have bought that who would have been interested in that
1: well I mean the, the whole idea of, of visiting these great wonders of the world, you know, and, 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 and all being, and being shown in Leicester Square. I mean, Leicester Square is now cinemas, so it's the same type of person who'd go to the cinema today would have gone to the panorama because there weren't cinemas, and they would have gone to see this, these great views of the world. So whether you actually you paid one price for your ticket and another price for your programme, probably a bit like going to the theatre. So is the panorama
0: would be shown?
1: It would be shown in a big circular building. So you'd go in and you'd go up uh, steps and things and see from a distance this great panorama of uh, a circular panorama within this building.
0: Interesting. Yeah, it's a
1: great wonder of the world, you know. Yes, and Hong yes. Kong was one of them. Yes,
0: so that would be right round the wall? Or? Right
1: round the wall that I understand it.
0: Yeah. yeah. So you go off to the panorama.
1: Yes. What are you doing on a Saturday <laughs> afternoon? We're going to the panorama. Panoramas took off, but by the 1860s, photography came along and then people were uh, starting to take panoramas of Hong Kong and they did them one picture at a time. So a picture would be, should we say... About eight by ten, but they were, these ones are probably twelve by fourteen, and and then they were stitched together to make a panorama. So you get a, a two-sheet panorama, or a three-sheet panorama, or a four-sheet panorama, depending how wide you take take the view. And then they were stitched together before panoramic cameras came into Hong Kong. I think in the the 1910s, nineteen tens nineteen between 1912 and 1920, I believe. So what we're going to do is, instead of going to the 1860s, 70s, early ones, we're going into the early 20th century, and we're going to a photographer. A photographer who had one of the biggest studios in Hong Kong was called Mi Chung, and it's called Mi Chung and Co. And at that time, in 1908, he was not only uh, uh, taking photographs, but he was uh, producing these panoramas, and which would be sometimes sold as these full-size photographs and as panoramas, as single photographs and he even then went a stage further and he developed postcard panoramas as well and he was also in, involved with uh, a great publication um, which was called 20th Century Impressions and he, involved, he was involved with doing uh, most of the photography in that particular very beautiful tome of the book which I can show you a bit later um, but these photographs date to about 1908 so if we go to the top one it's a four leaf or four sheet uh, panorama and why it's so interesting okay we have a, a new waterfront that's being developed as we go along
0: yes so half of it's a building works isn't half it? it's now a when building i look closely work. yes yes yeah it's a construction site rather it's a it? construction
1: okay. site and the, the far left is the supreme court under construction which is still there um, and then if we move so that, along,
0: that's what becomes the Ledgerco Building. Isn't that's it? what yeah. became the
1: Ledgerco Building, and yeah. they didn't complete that till 1912. Yeah. Um, here we have a big mat shed um, on the corner of Pedder Street, and this is the uh, the new post office under construction, which is now the site where um, Worldwide Houses on that site. And if you look next to it, to the right, is South China Morning Post Limited, which would have been very young in 1908. So that's their new offices.
0: Yeah, they start in 1903. Hmm.
1: Yeah, and so, and then um, below them is the Victoria Lithographic Press. So that's presumably where they printed off the newspapers.
0: I wonder if they had grumpy sub-editors in those days. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure they did.
0: <laughs> that,
1: well, a That's a, it is it? a steam. Yes, it yeah. is a steamboat, isn't it? Yes. And then you get the bigger ones. There's a very big paddle wheel steamer right on the far right, oh, yeah. which is probably the uh, Canton Ferry. The, the craft at sea is totally wonderful. Now, remind
0: um, me, with the panoramas, how would the Mi Chung Studio? How would they have taken that panorama?
1: Well, they they're obviously at sea, um, so on some ship um, or boat. And they would have taken, you know, four different photographs, which they stitch together. So that does lead to all sorts of disjointed. Um, when they when they're stitched together, they're, they don't actually marry properly, but they're pretty good, you know. I mean, you you can see the overlap uh, where sometimes there's doubling up um, where they're stuck together. Um, but that's the nature of of this, you know. And it's the same with. The early watercolour panoramas I had, they were taken on different sheets, one, two, three, four, and when you stitch them together, they don't marry very well, but they're pretty good for their time, you know. And uh,
0: And just the detail of the photographs, I mean, right, going back up on the mountainside.
1: And the depth uh, of field. mm, So if you go up this mountainside, you know, you see the top of uh, the prison. But also if you go to the right, um, and you look very closely. And now I'm going to try and find it. You get Robinson Piano Co, which is painted on the side of a building on Robinson Road. And it's so large, the painting of the characters, that you could see it from the harbour. You have to look quite closely.
0: So you can do a lot. I mean, even with this panorama, if you then um, go and blow it up, uh, you know, you you could see loads.
1: You can see a lot. Yes, Yes. it's absolutely marvellous. And there is um, another one which accompanies it below, which is the view looking the other way from the mountain towards the harbour. And this one was probably done a, um, a year or two earlier, in 1906, because the, the dockyard is still under construction, which was completed in 1908. But it's, it's a very beautiful uh, panorama of the harbour and Kowloon and all the boats again. Yeah, very special.
0: Now, we've got a panorama here of Hong Kong Harbour looking east. And uh, this is a little bit later?
1: Yes, this is technically the... Um, the last of the panoramas. So I'm dating these to the 1930s, circa 1938. Um, They're by a Japanese artist who came to Hong Kong and painted views here. I'm not sure how long he lived here for, but he he was certainly here and painting a number of views. I've had a few of his harbour views over the years, and they're very, very beautiful. His sense of colour, and that's why I, you know, even from a distance, the colour range is just very attractive. Um, and so we have these two panoramas he did one is looking towards the island so we're looking south from the harbour and it's very atmospheric and it's like, slightly misty so you can't actually make out the buildings at all so they, they are not defined on this rather unlike the photographs which are so well defined um, and the other panorama which is so beautiful is looking... It's looking east towards Leumun. So, so, in fact,
0: he's stripped it down. I mean, he's got all the colours and the mist, but it, basically the key things in both of these panoramas are the mountains at the back and then in the foreground. I mean, both of them are sea views. And uh, you've just got, well, just sailing boats, isn't
1: it? Just sailing boats and uh, the topographical rising mountains in, in, in the distance. So it's, it's all about atmosphere, really, and they're very attractive.
0: I, say, I have to say, aside from... I mean, I'm not trying to disguise our pollution problem these days and the haze, but, you know, you, I mean, I have had days where I've crossed the Lama Strait, and it is foggy, it is mist, it's, yes. not, it's not haze, it's not pollution, and, um, and and I'll look over and you can see all the sort of mist rising on the mountains, and I do think about when, um, you know, if you go back to 1841 and people are first arriving here and yes. having a look at those, it has a sort of air of mystery about it.
1: Absolutely, and, uh, you know, I mean, it, it, it very beautiful landscapes, so, it, you know, what, what a subject for artists, so painters, Uh, would come and uh, some of them were better than others and some caught it really really well Um, now everyone has a camera so everyone thinks they can do it with a camera but it's not that easy there'd still be very good photographers.
0: Now the panoramas that we've been looking at have been the one these big ones on the wall but what you've got in front of us now are mini panoramas and here also you've got Repulse Bay a whole load of I mean like serious whole load of bathing huts.
1: Serious, whole load of bathing huts. I've never seen so many (laughs) bathing huts in one beach before. And And this uh, is
0: late 1920s, you reckon? I think this
1: is late 20s or early 30s, but it's just... And it's before the Lido, and the Lido, I think, went uh, in there in the mid-30s. And these
0: are sort of almost like little mat shed beach huts, aren't
1: they? They are like little mat shed beach huts. There's the sort of places that I might have gone to in... um, in Koh Samui, 30 years ago.
0: Yes, that's true, actually. Yeah, and you can see all of these bathers, but again, a strong magnifying glass is essential to really pick up the detail here. But I've actually talked to uh, people who are no longer with us who yes. would have would have uh, been basically bathing there in the, in the, it was a sort of place to go. Yes. My thanks to Jonathan Waters talking there about his exhibition, Panoramas of Hong Kong, circa 1843... 1938 which is on show at what is fine art until the first week of December and then I headed off to join artist
2: Lorette Roberts to talk about her book about boats I thought a boat theme would be good but it was partly because I've been drawing boats ever since I was a child because I just love them my grandson and his best friend at age six both drew me some boats and of course I put them in who wouldn't and they're
0: absolutely great So about boats, sketches and paintings from the author of Sights and Secrets of Hong Kong. So, of course, Lorette E. Roberts. And we're sitting here at Pier 8 and we're looking over and in fact you know you've got the traditional star ferry of course and we're looking over to the clock tower in chim sa and we're next to the hong kong maritime museum in front of us in fact we've got the race for water solar boat so there's there's the height of modernity at the other end of the scale but a lot of your book mostly focuses on hong kong with some from bangkok as well but most of them are your traditional either fishing vessels or sampans, junks or berries
2: what i really like to draw is something that has the owners has put something on it made it has made it theirs so like with my post boxes and red doors it's the fact that a door is a rectangle a boat is a thing that floats but the owners have made it really special for some reason i mean it's surprising how many boats have flower pots and washing and, and stuff like that and particularly in other parts of Asia they have these wonderful decorations the Vietnamese I've got some there the prows and the, the stern part of the boat are beautifully decorated and I just can't help but paint them so I have a memory of them forever they're just beautiful I think it's the economy also of of
0: space and neatness of some of these boats sometimes that you see when I go on a sandpan and it's just also how they've used things that like there'll be an upturned Tupperware that's um, fixed to the roof with the the bamboo, and this is used to augment the light bulb, so it actually spreads the light. And then you'll see some fishing boats, which actually look quite untidy. They're not, they're just full of kit for their trip as they head out.
2: Well, I think a lot of people are fishermen and people who it is their livelihoods, have been very good at recycling and I think we can all take a huge lesson from how they use things over and over. They don't keep buying stuff, they make sure they use things till they've absolutely had it, which is really up-to-date thinking. Totally. And uh, now,
0: just leaving through here, you've got close-ups sometimes of the duckling, which is a lovely old junk, which I had the pleasure of uh, meeting you on last time you were in Hong Kong. And duckling, it was built in Macau in 1955 and was a fishing boat and family home for 30 years. And uh, in the late 1950s, there were 6,000 boats fishing in Hong Kong, mostly unmechanized. And I think this is the ultimate tragedy, which I've been talking to maritime expert Dr. Stephen Davis about, was the fact that I mean, the Duckling is virtually like the only act. I mean, the, the other, the Aqua Luna is in fact a modern replica, really, and uh, has some design issues. If you, if you talk to people that are, who are in the maritime industry, but throughout China and throughout Hong Kong, they were all used for. Fire. Would. they've all disappeared mm-hmm. so i think your book is valuable not only for the lovely artwork it makes a great present but also the fact that you are focusing on a number
2: of vessels that may not be around in a little while and also since we're talking about the duckling and we all know that it went to the bottom of the sea for a short while and oh, well, for... we
0: don't all know can you tell us oh, that yes, again in, in
2: 2015 it was scuttled. is that the word Yes, for about four months during a typhoon. And there's a connection because some people may remember the precious dragon that used to be in Hong Kong harbour. And unfortunately, that did also sink off Ceylon on its way back to England. Yes, but the fact that you can actually uh,
0: sink it to the bottom of the sea and then bring it back up again. What's I mean, they did yeah—and they did a lot of that in the Second World War. They would actually sink some vessels. And uh, a late friend of mine, Graham Large, he in fact had the Aurora, was a, a vessel that had been brought back up and then then restored and in fact
2: seawater isn't that damaging for wood so you can do that that's what the lady told me from duckling is that actually basically everything was okay it just looked very tatty yes now you've got uh, the whole evolution of the star ferry here Well, yeah, I actually um, took some quite copious notes about six, seven years ago when they had a display. And I see they've still got a display here. I just love the different shapes. And of course, I actually like the oldest one best. But they're they're so pretty. And there was a time when women and men were segregated. Um, On the ferry? Yeah on the ferry up until the second the second generation star ferry and then the third one they were allowed to mix that's interesting i didn't know that so um the first generation was 1871 to
0: 1904 and the length was 22.8 meters i'm reading this off lorette's book so she's got lots of stats here and uh, of course steam driven and you could get approximately 50 passengers and uh, there was also special seating for first class passengers and it was all made of wood. Then we've got the evolution right through to the current very recognisable Star Ferry and in fact the actual green and and recognisable aspect of the Star Ferry of course it's changed in design a little bit but uh, is is still very iconic in fact. Now on the top of one of the Star
2: Ferries is is a snail. Yes, well of course I had to put a snail somewhere (laughs) Because I have a snail on every page, as lots and lots of people know. <laughs> yeah, a snail is your, your sort of
0: hallmark, really, isn't yes, it? it is. Now, you do, when you're doing your artwork, I mean, how did you, did you sit like we are, watching the, the Star Fairy go to and fro, um, and then you do your initial
2: sketches? Ideally, I love to be on the scene for the sketches, because there's nothing better than the memories you get with that. Although, if you actually take your own photograph, you do have the memory but I wouldn't copy from someone else's picture. You can't, you just can't. And then occasionally I have painted, but I'm not actually that keen of sort of sitting and painting because I'm more, I like to be on my own when I'm painting basically. So then I go back, I have a lovely studio back in Suffolk. So that's what I do, I shut the door and I'm gone for four or five hours doing something. And it's usually in the afternoon and evenings that I work.
0: Well, I'm delighted to see that you've actually got my ferry in here that goes over to Lama Island and this is one of the old Kaidos, the, the old style which you also say going out off Sai Kung Peninsula as well off the country park there so they, a few of these still exist in type and I, I absolutely love them and a nice wooden frontage and you can sit outside
2: I went on the Peng Chau ferry yes. yesterday and it wasn't the very old one that's pictured in this book but it's it's pretty good I just loved it, and I, I particularly liked some of the notices, so um, I got a little sketches of that ready already, so.
0: Well, I need to do a whole project with mine, because I mean, I, I realise that a lot of the chaps who are working on there from about 6 o'clock in the morning, and doing all the ropes, and seeing us to and fro, and the drivers, they're not young, I they're, 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 yeah. they're 70s, I, would, I suspect some of them are early 80s as well, so I bet they've got plenty of stories of their own. Back to your book which is uh, Loretti Roberts about boats and uh, sketches and paintings from the author of Sights and Secrets of Hong Kong. So you've got on the front there a sailing boat, a little fishing trawler and a junk and also dragon boating. You also go right modern so you've got the uh, Discovery Bay and also some of the ferries, the turbo jets that go to Macau and what I also like about your sketches is you do some of the rope
2: details. I love pencil drawing of ropes and and things that go twirling around and they're absolutely me so there's a page of, of these beautiful I was going to say knitted but sort of plaited fenders which are hardly seen now because of the plastic so we hope they'll go back to making them again one day.
0: Now you've got a trawler here. These you don't see so much uh, at the moment in Hong Kong because, of course, the fishing moratorium. But if you do go out towards Tong Chung, I saw some mainland boats there, and of course, the Hong Kong boats have to get out into the South China Sea, really, and and go down towards the Philippines or Vietnam in order to do their deep sea trawler fishing. But I mean, it is quite amazing when you see a trawler out with all its, its all its nets out. That's that's quite a sight, yep. and the, and the same that's that's you know worldwide. So you've got some anchors and, as you say, the rope fenders. You've got fish hanging out to dry. So you've really got the whole sort of maritime life here, including boat building. So, I mean, of course, in Aberdeen, you can still see boats and dry dock. As you go through Aberdeen Harbour, you can see them up there. And so there's still plenty of, well, just about um, boat building and boat fixing still going on. And then uh, also we've got ones here of Lorette's got uh, some pictures of boat building in Nha Trang Beach in Vietnam and uh, also we've got a carpenter and his bow saw on the beach and that's in, in the trang as well yeah. oh and you've also got ah, I thought that looked rather English you have got a isn't it funny I mean I, I know very little about boats but I have to say this is a little fishing boat at Portsmouth UK and of course I'm from near Southampton so I was like yes that doesn't look too too Hong Kongy <laughs> you're absolutely right so you've got a little fishing boat at Portsmouth fishing boat on the shingle and that's in Suffolk and of course that's where you come from yes Yes. that's
2: where the studio is
0: when you were doing this putting it amalgamating all of these uh, boat pictures together um who did you have in mind as your audience
2: i hope that lots of people will have it i was aware that it might be a bit simplistic for seriously seriously boaty people but um i mean who doesn't want to look at boats really and it's um, actually in memory of my father and my brother, both admirals, who uh, unfortunately won't ever see it, but it's nice to have done it for them. Yes, so uh, that's incredible, isn't it? You well, had. Did they have those sideway hats? My father <laughs> did when he, because he was, uh, during the war, first of war, he was a cadet at Osborne House. On the Isle, Isle of Wight. Yeah. Yeah. So that's in southern and we England. Did have, and we still have it in the family. One of those sideways. <laughs> so I, I think they've got a better no, name no, than that, the sideways no. hats.
0: <laughs> you were saying that, despite you love painting them, sketching them,
2: penciling, finding out details, no. you're a bit nervous about getting They're on impressive. boats.
0: <laughs> you're apprehensive.
2: But do you know why? I think because when I was when I was a child, if we had hard-boiled eggs, and we ate all the egg, and we had the empty shell. We had to make holes in the bottom in case some evil person got these eggshells and sailed out to sea to sink ships. That's what you were told? Yes, and funnily enough, it's extraordinary how many other people that, that story was going that. around. I don't know where it came from, but in fact, I do still make a hole in the bottom of my hard-boiled eggshell, so um, it obviously really rang true. Now at the back
0: here, you've got, as you say, the pictures by two six-year-olds, so it's Thomas and Jasper that's terrific to have that at the back you also include the the fantastic charity here Sailability Hong oh, Kong which amazing. which provides uh, sailing opportunities for yeah people with uh, physical or mental disabilities and I've seen them in action yeah. and we've also had a, a Paralympic star who, who came out of Sailability so um, yeah wonderful charity
2: um, that's wonderful charity and we actually have one a similar one in Ipswich in Suffolk so that's a nice parallel
0: but uh, yeah this is a delightful this is a delightful book uh, Lorette and it's called About Boats and you really can find every kind of boat that that you're likely to come across in Hong Kong in there and all the paraphernalia that goes with it and she not only provides those pics and and also all the details of um, like life boys and baskets but uh, you can have a look at all these different kinds of ropes so we've got the tip cat stern tender usually with a standard button I have no
2: idea what that is (laughs) Well, nor have I, really. Um, I think they, a lot of them are on tugs, river, river tugs. Ah. Yeah. And I also discovered doing the tugs, um, about the first tug um, in 1803, which is rather interesting, and that's in the book as well.
0: My thanks to artist Lorette Roberts, talking there about her new book, About Boats. Thanks very much for listening, and join me next week on Hong Kong Heritage.